Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker. I am joined by my forever Matt Online co-host, Gina Kelly. Gina, how are you doing? I am, well, I've had a really terrible day, David, so it's going to be spectacular to top that off by talking about that abysmal <laughs> ball game on Sunday. <laughs> Not only are we going to talk about it, but we asked for it and we got it. Oh my God, we got quite the response on the Falcoholic voicemail hotline. Um, Gina, when you hit me with this idea, I thought, yeah, this will be, this is going to be a lot of fun. You know, we may be coming off of a win. People will be celebrating. But of course, you and I knew better and we left open the possibility <laughs> that these voicemails may go in the other direction. Yes. And they did not disappoint. So, um, unlike the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> A hundred percent. So for those who have not caught on, this podcast is about you. It's about the listeners, the readers at the Falcoholic and the voicemails you left us. And let me tell you, you guys were not happy. There was a wide range of reactions and we're just going to play these. We're going to go through these. And Gina hasn't heard these yet. Uh, I had to preview them just so I knew what was coming <laughs> uh, to, make, to make sure that we didn't get into any uh, you know, legal uh, trouble through this. But I think we're in the sure. clear. Um, so, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the first one, Gina. I think you'll probably agree with this sentiment. Week one. <laughs> Wet part. <laughs> yes yeah that sounds about right (laughs) (laughs) that is also my recap of that game (laughs) that is that was the perfect recap of falcons eagles week one 2020 nfl 2021 nfl season oh all right whoever left that voicemail is the offensive player of the game As someone who has to write those articles every week, uh, I wish we would have had that ahead of time. I would have put that as the number one option for the offensive player of the week. Yes, and I think that that would have gotten a hundred percent of the votes in the poll. So <laughs> the wet fart, fantastic! What a way to kick off the podcast. All right, I'm going to jump into our second one. Uh, this is actually not a wet fart, and I think this guy goes into uh, the lack of adjustments. So. This is somebody from Omaha, Nebraska. Um, uh, Quite honestly, I think the game came down to adjustments. I did not see Arthur Smith make adjustments during the game. I'm very concerned about his coaching in the future. Um, Kyle Pitts was terribly underutilized. Arthur Smith should have done a better job with that. Yeah, um, 
Gina, you, you and I saw the notes. I mean, yeah. To to his credit, Arthur Smith took a he he basically blamed this game on him. Yeah, he did. I, and I have to say, like, I appreciate the candor, but it's a little bit jarring to hear your new head coach say, "I didn't have the team prepared for this game." And I think that it wasn't just the team. I think that this caller is correct. I mean, I, I think that the Eagles definitely made adjustments at the half and mm-hmm. we saw that they were much more dominant against the run game where the Falcons had really been able to get things going against them in the first half um but I did not see yeah I really didn't see any adjustment from Arthur Smith I agree that Kyle Pitts is underutilized I think that that may be in part because they're still working out some chemistry and timing issues between him and Ryan because they didn't play in the preseason and I think yep. that that's a big part of all of this too so yeah I totally agree that about the adjustments, I, you know, have some level of concern about Arthur Smith. I'm not going to make a sweeping judgment after one game. I know that it's a big adjustment going from being a coordinator to a head coach, but um, yep. the lack of adjustments that is concerning. Definitely. Yeah. He, I think he and everyone else in that building knows they have to do better this week. I'm not saying they have to win, but they absolutely have to do better than what they yes. did on Sunday. Uh, speaking of adjustments. Or like a preseason. This is Fat Mac underscore Alex on Twitter. Or you just call me Alex. It don't matter. Um, my three takeaways from this game is one, Arthur Smith look, probably should feel dumb as hell for not letting any of the starters play during the preseason. <laughs> he gave all that preseason time. We only had three games, and he gave all that preseason time to guys who who really didn't even make the team and guys who aren't even starting right now. So that's one. And then two, our offensive line looks horrible. They look like an old beat-up car being held together by bubblegum. <laughs> Three, Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot fought to advertise to Arthur Blaine and the fans that this wasn't a rebuild. But, I mean, they look god-awful. And instead of lying to us, tell us the truth. This is a rebuild. You guys are rebuilding. I mean, you're talking about win now. If you're talking about win now, you bring in bad veterans on your offensive and defensive lines to, to stouten them up and make them competitive. They, we did not look competitive. And for my last point, this is just something I just picked up on because it happens every season. They do like some rally or they do some video with like a local artist or the inspirational guy who did the videos from the Super Bowl. When we went to the Super Bowl, Every time they do one of those videos, we suck that entire season. So I'm just like, <laughs> I thought with Arthur Smith coming here preaching accountability, you would stop that because there's no point in pushing all that out, that content out there. And we're not winning. You're a football team. You're supposed to win. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all I got to say. So I hope y'all use this. Uh, follow me on Twitter, FatMac underscore Alex. And I'll holler at y'all later. See y'all for the beat down next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a really uh, insightful voicemail um, it was and i i agree really on all counts and i i'm cracking up about the last point because that oh. cheesy video i didn't see it until after the game it showed it in like my twitter <laughs> things you might have missed and i was like you have got to be kidding me right now like it made me 20 times more mad to see that after that loss so um but yeah i mean you know i've i've talked a lot about the preseason already so i do just want to talk touch on his point about the offensive line i don't think that mayfield would have been starting if he hadn't been forced to because of injuries right. and i think that mayfield still has the potential to be a serviceable starter but 
it's really hard when you throw a guy out there who's just not ready yet. And it's way too much for the rest of the line to compensate for. And exactly. so if you have one, one weak link along an offensive line is bad enough. When the link is as weak as Jalen Mayfield is at this point in his development, it is like a car an old beat up car held together by bubble gum. I mean, I, I, my other uh, comparison was, was going to be like wet paper towels stretched out across <laughs> Matt Ryan. <laughs> Like Jake Matthews can hold one end and you can send Lindstrom out to the other tackle position. They can hold it. And then, I mean, it would be about as effective as just about were on Sunday. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that, I thought that, that, that caller made a ton of really good points. Yeah. The, the video thing cracked me up and honestly, I can't argue against it. He's dead on. Like, it seems like yeah. every year they've had those damn videos and, uh, you know, I, I do want to say, in fairness to Falcon Social, the, the folks who run the website, uh, yeah. I, I really love like the crew that they've got there. You know, Scott Bear, um, you know, bringing in Tori McElhaney, who's been on the podcast. Um, they, I think they're doing as good a job as they can. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say to people who, you know, sort of go after them, they're, they have no control over the team folks. <laughs> they don't, you know, Tori's not out there dropping passes. <laughs> <laughs> she is not, she is not coaching the offensive line. No, um, no. <laughs> so, so yeah, give them a it's, break, uh, in the, the social media team too. Uh, yes, it, it's tough for all of us. All right, fourth voicemail. Here we go. This one's a, a different point, but um, I think another good one as well. How's it going, guys? Uh, this is the Fat Falcon. Um, <laughs> I just finished watching this game. I'm more, I'm more PO that Terry Fontenew for not getting us any help. That's all I heard about when he got here was he has the vision. He he finds diamonds in the rough. Well, it looked rough today. Let <laughs> <laughs> uh, throw him back to the uh, to the drawing board, man. He doesn't have it yet. And Arthur Smith is an O-line kind of guy, so they need to go hit the waiver wire, bring in some help, or it's going to be a long season. Thank you, guys. What do you think, Gina? Yeah, I mean, I I can see where he's coming from. Now, I think that it's it's also important to recognize that this is not probably an issue that Terry Fontenot could have solved in his first season because the depth on this team has been abysmal and they've also had weak starters at a lot of key positions. Mm -hmm. And so between that and the salary cap hell that Thomas Dimitrov spent them into, um, you know, I, I understand just from the practical side of things, why Fontenot hasn't been able to make those moves that said, you know, I think that it would have been better if they would have prioritized things a little bit differently this off season and tried to bring in, it's just so risky when you've invested so much into a quarterback like Matt Ryan to then just have him getting beat to hell on every single Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are a lot of good points there. I still think that, you know, it's not, all the blame doesn't fall on Fontenot, but I think that that is a fair point. Yeah. And this is a, for Fontenot especially, and and Smith as well to maybe a lesser extent, this is a long-term journey. This is their first, very first game. Um, And, you know, we we mentioned it earlier, the presumed starter at left guard, who many people had issues with. I don't want to pretend this guy was going to be a world beater, 
Um, he got injured in the first week. Like he made it through the preseason without any issues, got injured in the first week of practice, uh, is on you know injured reserve with Josh Andrews. And I don't think they ever intended for Mayfield to start. He was supposed to be the backup. And mm-hmm. I think that exacerbated things. Um, but I, I also agree with what you said, Gina. Like we know who Matt Ryan is. He needs mm-hmm. a, a decent offensive line. And they literally threw – uh, an unprepared rookie out there at a key position. And that in some ways that falls on both Fontenot and, and Smith. And right now, will they go get somebody? I think that remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, I would be really happy if they did, but <laughs> it does remain to be seen. Yeah. And to be clear for folks who are listening because of the salary cap, like the Falcons are shopping at Dollar Tree right now. They're not even mm-hmm. at Walmart. Like they are Dollar Tree shopping for talent. So I don't think we're going to find like a Pro Bowl starter at left guard um, on the waiver wire. So um, we may end up rolling with, and actually it's Dave seems to think this at the site. I, I tend to agree with him. I think we're probably going to end up rolling with what we've got for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely. All right. Our next voicemail is from the West coast. God bless you guys for getting up early to watch that mess. <laughs> Hi, um, my name is Brandon. I'm a diehard Falcons fan. Um, I had to get up at 10 a.m. to catch this game on the West Coast. And the one thing I want to say, I guess, is, you know, that's a little frustrating is that this this game looked a lot like the preseason did, like the offensive line, that there were holes on the offensive line, the defense couldn't get to the pass rush, and there were a lot of open holes in the zones and guys not reacting. I do get on defense that Dean, that Dean Pease is going to, get these guys together and that they, you know, there's a new, the secondary is almost completely turned over back there. So I understand that part of it, but we knew on the defensive line that we didn't have pass rush. We knew on the offensive line that Jalen Mayfield by the second preseason game, that he was not the answer this year, at least for sure. And we didn't find a veteran option. We didn't pursue some of these veteran options to kind of fix some of those concerns or or issues that we're going to have. And Matt Ryan, Today he just didn't look great, but he didn't have an, he didn't have a heck of a lot of time against a really really good defensive front from the Eagles. I mean they were in the backfield all day long. Yeah. My biggest concern is we were sold the this idea that we're not rebuilding that we can put some pieces around and we took a tight end number four overall when there were quarterbacks on the board there was a left tackle on the board there were cornerbacks we could have slid down to go to go get. So my biggest thing is. This is not what I expected. If this is what we were told, we we're not rebuilding. I mean, we behaved like a team that wasn't rebuilding. We we made choices like that. And then this is the performance that is put out on the field. So the buy-in from the fans is it's going to be challenging because we have different expectations if we're told something. But if we understand that we're going to, hey, look, we're not going to take a quarterback. We're going to take a tight end. And I love Kyle Pitts. I think he's a great addition. But that's what that's what you take when you have all these other things resolved in it. I mean, maybe there's a different plan that I just don't see. But, you know, right now it's very disappointing. I mean, I'm still trying to remain optimistic that there'll be an okay team. Uh, I know we're not going to we're not going to be a playoff team, but just a better performance than today. Really great voicemail. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the, you know, now we've heard from several callers um, just about you were technically not supposed to be in a rebuild. And like how? (laughs) I mean, how do you keep perpetuating that notion after the way that the team played on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and 
honestly, for anyone that feels that way, I don't blame you. Like Mm-mm. they sh- they were lifeless on Sunday. Yeah. And, and I think that he made a really good point that they did look like preseason. They did not look mm-hmm. like they were playing at full speed and they did not look prepared for the regular season. And so, you know, I think that it again raises the question of should the starters have played during preseason? Yeah. And I wonder, obviously we can't do anything about that now, but mm-hmm. I wonder if this begins to inform and change the approach in future years uh and that we can't predict that but um you know and the honestly the preseason is going to get shorter over the next Mm -hmm. several years when the nfl is going to move to 18 games that's that is guaranteed to happen and when they do it's probably going to be two two preseason games and what are teams going to do to prepare before that first regular season game gets here because you know if you use that first regular season game as your warm-up uh, which is what it looked like the Falcons did. Uh, <laughs> you start in the hole. You you can very much start in the hole unless you're going up against another team that decided to use uh, game one as a warm up. So uh, yeah, and I do think that this year is going to be a learning experience for all teams. I mean, you do, it is a lot to balance trying to make sure that you're fully evaluating everybody and making sure that you're retaining the best guys for your team. And that does mean obviously like preseasons in the past, getting the guys down the depth chart, more playing time. But I really think you got to have some playing time for starters. Yeah. And I'll be surprised if it doesn't change at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to see something. Me too. Uh, all right. I think this one, this is a short voicemail, but in much the same way that the first one, uh, intimated thoughts on the game. I think this one intimates thoughts on being a Falcons fan. Hi, this is Melissa, and I'm dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, Melissa, <laughs> welcome to it. We are too. <laughs> have been for years. <laughs> That's the only reason we're still able to watch this team. If we had anything left, we would do something better with our time. Uh, I have to tell you, um, one of the main things I think we lean on as Falcons fans, especially those who are engaged in social media like we are, is the humor that comes with being a Falcons fan. There are so many people that on the day after a game like this that you'll interact with them and they just find a way in the darkness to, to elicit humor and it's one of, in my mind, it's one of the best parts of being a Falcons fan on Twitter because there are just so many fans that have a great sense of balance, a great sense of humor, even in the midst of an absolute stinker of a game like that. They they bring humor, and I think that uh, that helps alleviate some of the pain. Mm-hmm. It really does. I, it's definitely a coping mechanism for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Like I said for years, if you're going to make 28 to 3 jokes, fine. But they probably won't be as funny as mine. And that's really the only problem that I have with them. Like, it really, having a sense of humor is fundamental if you mm-hmm. want to survive as a Falcons fan. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> our next one touches on the uh, documentary series of. Uh, from secret base on the Falcons. So this will be interesting. Now that I think about it, I just recently watched the Atlanta Falcons documentary on the history of the Atlanta Falcons in itself. Now, if we look back on that documentary that just came out, 
if you look at all parts of it, you see how bad the Falcons were in the 70s, 60s, the 80s to the 90s, where they started to pick it up in the late 90s, and then it just fell back down. It seems like history is just repeating itself. And after this game, it looks like we're about to go down a long, continuing spiral down. Because after this game, it looks like we we don't have no hope. It's sad. Because we can root for the Falcons as much as we want to win. And then we just get heartbroken once again every Sunday. Mm. It's been like that every Sunday since the forgetting day. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Um, no. Yeah, it takes, I think, a special type of person to stick it out with this team. Um, and I, I got to say, like, it, if you were on Falcons Twitter during the game on Sunday, you know, yeah, the jokes were flying and that does help me get through it. But it's also a lot of same old Falcons, you know, how yeah. many times has this team just gotten utterly embarrassed in the stupidest ways? Yep. Yeah. And I felt like Sunday's game was really full of those. So it was kind of a peak Falcons experience, a true falconing, if you will. Yeah. I, and I actually got on Twitter, someone uh, responded to one of my tweets and said, Hey, I'm a, I'm a new, uh, a new Falcons fan. And I love the podcast. And my first thought was you picked a hell of a time to start rooting for the Falcons. <laughs> I mean, anybody who joins this party after Super Bowl 51, I I don't know what's going on in your head, but <laughs> you should maybe talk to somebody like I this is a level of uh, masochism that I do not think is healthy. <laughs> oh, dear God. Um, I, I have to say these voicemails have been fantastic. You guys have not mm -hmm. disappointed. Um, all right, let's get on to the next one. You know what makes me the most upset is that they made us believe all offseason this wasn't a rebuild. This wasn't mm -hmm. a rebuild. We got the veteran defensive coach, Dean Pease. We got Arthur Smith, offense is going to be crazy, Kyle Pitts. None of that happened. We saw none of that. We saw the Eagles offense do anything they wanted to us. I'm sitting here with my talking jersey on looking like a moron. I talk so much, so much trash to the Eagles fans. Oh, no. <laughs> the teams that we're going to play this year. We got Tampa Bay next week. Is that going to be 0-2? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we 0-2. Then what's different than last year? Nothing. I don't know what's going to fix this team. I don't know who we Our O-line is trash. Our defense is even worse. How do you fix the offensive line if you quickly? You don't. All right, guys. Well, love y'all. Hope, uh, hope for the best. <laughs> I just feel so bad for all of us. I do, too. We are all so miserable and disappointed <laughs> after that game. Like, it is... And we have had to feel this way after so many games. Like I think yes. that what I'm, what I'm, I think that the overall gist that I'm getting from voicemails is that fans are really tired of this. And like, it yeah. is such an exciting time when you get a new head coach and 
you know, when you're looking toward a new era, I mean, in this case, new, new head coach, new GM, we haven't had both of those since 2008. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, optimism, I mean, it's, you know, kind of a foreign concept to Falcons fans, but that, that is normally a time when NFL fans are optimistic and then hearing, you know, it's not going to be a rebuild and, you know, all of that. I think that there's reason to think, you know, maybe they wouldn't, go to the Super Bowl this year. But I mean, Dan Quinn took him there in his second year yeah. as head coach. And so, you know, maybe next year, the following year, they could be back in a position to contend. And I I hear it in Falcons fans voices on these messages. And it's just really hard after that game to believe that that's possible. And so I guess to that, I would just say, it is just one game. And I really do mm -hmm. think that, you know, not playing not playing starters in the preseason was a factor. I think that one game is not sufficient evidence to prove that it's definitely a rebuild and that the team can't contend, but they looked really bad. And yeah. so, you know, I, even as I say all that stuff, like I completely understand why fans are feeling this way about it. Uh, undoubtedly. And I think you know, for fans who've been in this for a while, for like, if you look back when Mike Smith came in, expectations were low. And mm -hmm. and then they ended up finishing eleven and five. Matt Ryan got rookie of the year, um, mm -hmm. you know. So that season, and they they literally Matt Ryan's first pass in the NFL was a touchdown, um, and that game felt like this. You know, it, it set the tone for the season. Um, and even with Dan Quinn in 2015, they started that season five and zero. Oh. Even though they mm -hmm. finished eight and eight, they they started <laughs> with a win. Um, mm -hmm. boy, that, that, that should have given us some, uh, previews of, of that, uh, Dan Quinn era falling apart yes. back half, but regardless, they started with the win. And I think that maybe has leaned against Arthur Smith. I think there was almost this assumption that we would start with a win, especially against an opponent who in many people's minds was, was not a, a strong opponent. Although I think mm -hmm. that maybe was discounting the Eagles too much because yeah. they, they do have talent on the, in the trenches, especially. Um, yeah. But so I, I feel like we shouldn't keep underselling the Eagles. Uh, I actually said in one of the podcasts, I feel like they're going to be a dark horse team to make the playoffs this year because they do have such, so much talent in the trenches and, and they demonstrated that on Sunday. Um, but like you said, Gene, it's one game um, and you know, the Falcons need to show us more for sure, but uh, there's 16 more games to go. Uh, which is both a, a good thing and also terrifying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see our next one and let's see what this, see what this voicemail says. Hey guys. Hey, thanks so much for the shout out um, on the podcast. You know, I would just simply say this, this organization, this isn't a Arthur Smith issue. This, is not a Terry Fontenot issue. This is a cultural problem. This hmm. is a cultural problem that has been in existence now for the last five years. And it quite honestly starts under center. Um, Ooh. Can claim as much as we want that, oh, a new voice will get these people, you know, going. But you see the evolution of the NFL. And the fact of the matter is the NFL is now evolving with quarterbacks with either stronger arms or mobile ability. If you know you don't have a offensive line that can block for your quarterback, you need some form of mobility or someone who can whip that ball in 
And until the Falcons get that under center, those problems will persist. Also, they need to seriously consider making a move and dumping any defensive player under Quinn Dimitrov regime. Um, it is obviously too small, which has been a problem, and their inability to do the basic things such as tackle or get stops. That needs to happen. Until that happens, continue to watch this team go 4-13 and for the foreseeable future. Thank you. That's all I got to say. First of um, all, that guy rattled off that record without having to think about it. I respect it. He's caught up with the 17-day <laughs> season faster than I have. Mad so. respect. <laughs> kudos. Kudos for that. Um, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna let you take this one first, David. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've been interacting with a lot of the people this week on Twitter about Matt Ryan. And it, here's the reality. Uh, we will be replacing him in the relatively near future. There's mm-hmm. little doubt about that. He's 36. Obviously, he is on the backside of his career. Um, and yes, we know who Ryan is. Ryan is not a scrambling quarterback. He doesn't have a, a, a rocket for an arm. But you can be successful with Ryan if you have the offensive line issues worked out. And I also want to say, with as bad as the offensive line was on Sunday, I don't think that a Justin Fields would have had any more success. Maybe a little bit, but honestly, if we want to build a, tre- a team properly, we have to build from the trenches. And drafting Justin Fields wasn't going to fix that either. Now, do they need to look for a quarterback in next year's draft or the year after? I- I'm not going to argue against that. In fact, yeah. Gina, you and I said, you know, going into this draft, we both said we would be fine if they drafted the quarterback. We completely understand. Yes. It. Um, yes. So none of us at the Falcoholic are against a new quarterback at all. Um, but for this team to be successful, I think we have to shore up the trenches, whether or not Ryan is the quarterback. Um, and this is coming from someone who I, I still absolutely adore him as a player. Um, now, as for selling off all the defensive players, no, I mean, I'm not there yet. Um, I, yeah. And it's, especially with the Falcon salary cap and guaranteed money. I mean, this team is still paying money to Desmond Trufant. Like they cannot take on that dead money. They are not going to find trade partners for a fire sale like that. And also you don't part ways with Grady Jarrett because he's undersized. He's still good. And I mean, so like just a clean sweep is not, it's just not possible. Um, Yeah. Even, even if it, even if it were the best option, it's just not feasible (laughs) realistically, but (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm hoping that in the future they draft players who are better fits. Um, But yeah, yeah, I mean, I do think that we've got, we need to give Fontenot and Smith a couple of years to see how they build this roster because the guys that they are left with, there are a lot of weak, weak spots there. Yep. Absolutely. All right, before we go to the break, we've got one last voicemail. And Gina, this one is especially for you. Hey, guys. Uh, first time, long time. Um, just have a quick question about that game. Obviously, it was miserable. Um, but Gina Thomas, well, Gina Kelly, <laughs> a comment on, on Twitter and was asking if we could relegate the Falcons. So is there a chance that we could relegate the Falcons? Do <laughs> um, you think the NFL would you know, be amenable to such a – an arrangement just so we don't have to watch this every Sunday. Um, I'll hang up and listen. Bye. <laughs> so, yes, I think that we should relegate the Falcons to the uh, to the Big 12. 
<laughs> they've got some teams shifting over to the SEC. They've got some openings. <laughs> I think that the Falcons might be able to beat some of those teams. I say, you know, why not? They got the the name and image likeness stuff going on now. Falcons players can still make money. I mean, what's what's the harm in this? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! As Melissa said, I'm dead inside. Uh- yes. <laughs> Um, all right. We've got more voicemails. Uh, you guys have been fantastic with what you left for us. Uh, and I have to say, uh, I'm completely enjoying this and we're going to continue listening to these, responding to these. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm with my co-host, Gina, forever mad online, Kelly. I almost said Thomas, just like our last voicemail. He <laughs> threw me off. Um, we are listening to what you, our listeners, our readers, uh, have to say about the Falcons-Eagles game. And uh, if nothing else, this has been incredibly entertaining. Uh, I love all of you. Thank you for listening to the podcast, by the way. We've been around for several years and uh, we don't say this enough, and I know, Gina, you feel the same way, but we really, really appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, you make this possible, and uh, we, we appreciate the support you've given us all these years. Absolutely. All right. Next voicemail. Here we go. Um, <laughs> I'll just let them speak for themselves. I'm a Falcons fan, and I'm from Idaho, which sounds weird by itself, but um, it's, it's- <laughs> So I live in and I've been through, you know, I'm a younger person, but I've seen them, seen some things. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, as a talking fan in my relatively short lifespan that I've had so far, but um, that offensive performance was really something else. Really, really something else. It rivals that of um, some of the worst performances from those post Super Bowl years, but alas, um, I have hope. Why? because next season we'll have a really good draft pick. Those are my thoughts. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> One game in, and we're talking about draft picks, Gina. Oh, welcome to Falcons fandom. Um, <laughs> I do love the beginning of the season because, you know, we just don't have enough to go off of yet yeah. for any team. I mean, it's, it's impossible to know how this is going to shake out. And the Falcons really did not give us much to feel good about on Sunday. So I do completely understand the overreacting in that direction. <laughs> but <Yeah. it's> just <laughs> like, oh, you know, top five draft pick, here we come. And if so, <laughs> like, speaking of drafting a quarterback, <laughs> maybe here we I go. Guess that, that, that could work out. Who knows? Oh, my word. I, uh, I've got nothing to add to that. That's that was absolutely perfect. All right. <laughs> Next voicemail. Here we go. Sadness. Just sadness. I do want to know though why at the Falcons 
rally the other night, I saw Michael Vick in person, and I love Michael Vick, don't get me wrong, but where is the love for Jamal Anderson? Why does this franchise not love the Dirty Birds? I just need to know. Let's talk about that, because I don't want to talk about this game. I don't. We're moving forward. Week two. Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's actually an interesting question. I do not have an answer for that. Um, You know, uh, Jamal Anderson is a heck of a nice guy, obviously firmly entrenched in Falcons history. Mm -hmm. He's had some, you know, pretty generally minor run-ins with the law. Um, (laughs) You know, obviously so has Michael Vick and, you know, I'm not, I'm not making any kind of commentary about that. I mean, Vick, you know, served his time. Um, I've talked to him since then about the work that he continues to do uh, to help prevent dog fighting. And, um, you know, I feel like he has, uh, he has atoned and learned from most importantly learned from what he went through there. But yeah, so I don't know if it's, um, you know, his run-ins with the law in the past or if there's some other kind of bad blood there. But I do think that that's an interesting question. Yeah, I really do not know the answer to that. Yeah, I mean, literally the player that invented the Dirty Bird um, and, you know, was the... Well, and they're, they're bringing back the Dirty Bird thing this year and hitting yeah. it super hard. So actually it would make a lot of sense to bring Jamal into something, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. And yeah, he was the running back. I think he had over 1800 yards in the year that the Falcons went to their first Super Bowl. He was absolutely dominant in that offense. And uh, unfortunately his career ended with two straight years with an ACL tear, uh, which was just devastating. But um, yeah, I actually, I I do wonder the same thing. It's such a great point. Uh, And that's why we love these voicemails. We get such interesting points like this, but yeah, now, Jamal, Jamal Anderson with three A's, defensive end Jamal Anderson. Oh, I different. think that we all, I think that that <laughs> makes sense to all of us. It makes sense <laughs> that he's not being brought back for, you know, special events and being honored and things. But Jamal Anderson, the running back with two A's, <laughs> that one is confusing. <laughs> yeah, the, the wrong Jamal, I think the Falcons have actually tried to erase his name from Wikipedia, in <laughs> fact. So to be fair. Um, How Falcons is it that we have two Jamal Andersons and one of them <laughs> is somebody that we never want to talk about again? <laughs> oh, as uh, as our favorite writer at the Falcoholic would say, uh, Matt Chambers, he's a bust. Um, mm-hmm. All right, next one, our <laughs> longest voicemail. This one almost hit three minutes. Uh, I'm going to let it play out because there's some good points here, um, but here we go. Yeah, hey, Falcoholic. Um, this is Matt here. I'm, I'm 23, been a Falcon fan my whole entire life. Um, and I'm, I'm quite, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of this team. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, it's just so tough. Um, I, I'm already not a huge fan of what this regime has done in the front office. I mean, just, I mean, obviously we have to stick it out and see where they go. Uh, there's obviously more than one way to skin a cat, but just starting right out the gate, I'm just not a huge fan of anything they've done. I mean, you know, they drafted a right tackle. I'm hoping they would change this position completely, which doesn't make any sense, and was expecting for him to be manageable, which didn't make any sense. I just feel like there's some delusion within this front office that they can just kind of skirt by and 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 that's going to be okay and it's just not um 
So between, you know, Mayfield looking God awful and, and, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of the draft either. I thought, you know, it's the thing with May, taking Mayfield was that there was also other guards. There was other guards on the board at that time who already play interior offensive line. So why not just take one of them? Why take somebody else and, and completely switch them, completely switch their position? But anyways, um, I was on the Justin Fields train. Um, just get the quarterback and you go on from there. Look, this team is going nowhere in the next couple of years. You're going to need multiple drafts to even think about competing, competing. And by that time, Matt Ryan will have been close to 40. And who the hell knows what he's going to look like then. So why even risk that and keep kicking the can down the road anyways? And, you know, everybody says, oh, you can't trade him. He has this much money and all of this and all of this. And I get the financial aspect, but I just feel like if you're going to trade him, you're going to trade him and you're going to have to eat the money anyway. You're going to have to eat the debt cap anyway. So it doesn't matter. Just waiting isn't going to do anything. So I was you know, definitely on the Justin Fields train. And then, you know, just being middle, just middling. I think that's the final thing is just being average and, and, you know, not being good enough to where you're drafting in 28 or 32 or something like that, but not being bad enough to where you're drafting in the top five, you know, and I, I just think that well, not, not, maybe not just the top five, maybe like the top 10 or something like that, but, you know, at 16, 17, I mean, what what can you really expect? So uh, I think that that's purgatory in its own. And so um, I appreciate you guys um, listening. So uh, keep up all the great work. Wow. There was a lot there, Gina. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> something that really stood out to me that I think is a valid point was his, uh, he mentioned um, Jalen Mayfield having to switch positions and yep. David, as you know, that is one of my biggest pet peeves when people are like, oh, offensive linemen are interchangeable because all the positions are very different, actually. And it is a very big adjustment to go from playing, you know, exterior line to interior line. So, um, yeah, I I think that, you know, a lot of people have questions about what they were thinking with Mayfield. And I think that after what we saw him do on Sunday, that is fair. Yeah, I, and I had this conversation with someone else recently as well. The the whole mindset, and th- and to be fair, this is not just the Falcons, but there is a mindset in draft uh, NFL circles that if you have a tackle that was relatively successful in college, mm-hmm. but is not ready to be a tackle in the NFL, just move him to guard. And like you said, Gina, it's. I'm actually wondering if there's a really high success rate with that because I feel like there's not. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, yeah, the Falcons probably passed over some good interior offensive linemen for what essentially was a project in Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And this is not to say that Mayfield will not work out over the long term. He could blow our minds and become, you know, a really solid starter at left guard. And I, I certainly want that to happen, but they took a right tackle and put in left guard and yeah. that, that is an experiment and it, it <clears throat> clearly failed on Sunday. I mean, I, I put this out on, on Twitter and Jalen Mayfield had a pass blocking score from PFF of 1.4. I have never in my life. Uh, and I've been using PFF stats for years. 
I've never seen a pass blocking score that low before. Yeah. And that I think it speaks to what this uh, voicemail is speaking to. Um, yeah. As- and another, Oh, I'm sorry, but no, another, ahead. another factor here too is especially with interior linemen, you can maybe deal with somebody who is a work in progress at one of those guard spots. If you have a really experienced center, like yeah. if Alex Mack were still holding down the middle of that line, I think that Jalen Mayfield probably wouldn't look so shaky because Mack has the veteran experience and presence of mind to help compensate for that weakness. But, yep. you know, with Hennessy, who doesn't have nearly as much experience as Alex Mack, who's like my age <laughs> and has been <laughs> in the league forever, that's a very different situation. And so a lot of factors at play there. Yeah, 100%. Uh, again, another really tons of great points in these voicemails. And uh, after a game like that, I'm not going to discount anyone's reaction to that yeah me too all right next one up hi this is jim in hushton georgia i just just decimated from this game i watched today i've been a falcons fan since 81 and i think we are cursed the only thing that kept me from breaking my daughter's tv is that i had her puppy (laughs) on my lap I'll have to borrow that dog for the rest of the season. Oh. <laughs> okay, first of all, Jim is my kind of guy because I also watch all games with a puppy in my lap. <laughs> and it is also the only thing that keeps me from breaking my own TV much of the time. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, when I played that one, I played it twice because I was like, oh, Jim. <laughs> So first of all, I've been watching as well. Like my first Falcons game was 1981. It was the playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys. So um, I feel very connected to Jim and his experience with the Falcons and say, <laughs> we are cursed. And I almost broke a TV. Um, Jim, I feel you, man. I and Jim, if, if your daughter doesn't let you borrow her puppy, I have a very rambunctious French bulldog puppy that you can borrow <laughs> Anytime for extended periods. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. All right. Mike from Chicago has some thoughts. What's up, Sarkaholic? This is Mike coming all the way from Chicago. Um, man, I've been a Falcons fan since the Michael Vick days, and that's what got me into it. But uh, speaking on this past week one, man, I'm just very disappointed. I, I thought the Eagles would be one of our easier wins, but just to see a flop like that was very disheartening. Um, still holding out hope, you know, it's game one, but, you know, it, it's kind of funny to think that I'm already looking at next year's draft QB. Rise up, keep it going. Oh, oh my goodness. Our writers think- at the site that cover the, the draft are probably – already getting ready with their draft mm-hmm. takes for 2022. Yeah. And I mean, part of being an NFL fan is knowing that there will be seasons when you start caring about the next draft in week two or week three. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's the unfortunate reality. Yes, it is. And um, for Mike from Chicago, uh, I- I'm sorry, man. I mean, like you're in a city that has, uh, Ironically, drafted the quarterback that many Falcons fans wanted to take. 
And on that note, our next voicemail focuses on the quarterback of the Falcons. Matt Ryan head alert. Matt Ryan head alert. Matt Ryan head alert. Matt Ryan is trash. That was a piss poor performance. Unbelievable. I think for at least a close game, I would have felt better about it if we put up 20 points or something. We couldn't even get in the end zone. Come on, Matt Ryan. Come on, Matt Ryan. What's, what's really going on? by yelling Matt Ryan hater alert multiple times. (laughs) Like, I just, I love that. Um, Yeah, I, you know, I I do think that it's fair to talk about the impact that the offensive line had on Matt Ryan's performance. I mean, he didn't even have time to do a simple five-step drop. And so, now, that said, the red zone performance was abysmal. And I think that I had questions about play calling and I had questions about execution. I think that there is a lot of blame to go around, but I am also going to realistically acknowledge that Matt Ryan is making, I believe that the technical term is a shit ton of money to play quarterback (laughs) for the Atlanta Falcons. And so I don't know, like, I think that it is expected that fans are going to latch onto that, especially in a game where like this gentleman said, they did not get into the end zone one time. The only points came off the foot of Young Waiku. Yep. No, 100%. And uh, we often get accused of defending Matt Ryan uh, no matter what. And, uh, again, it, like, you have to look at the entire game. The, the offensive line was god-awful in pass blocking. That is for sure. And mm-hmm. would someone like Justin Fields have had more success? Maybe on a few plays, but I think overall – you know, it was a crippling uh, performance from the offensive line, but there yeah. were there were plays that Matt Ryan left on the field, including in the red zone, like you said, Gina. So he is not free from criticism. I think the problem we usually have with the Matt Ryan criticism is that it it starts at, hey, he shouldn't have thrown that pass, and it turns into he's the worst quarterback we've ever seen. We need to get rid of him. Like there's no in between, and. I think that's the juggling act we have when we cover Matt Ryan. It's like, okay, yeah, he had a bad game. And then it turns into with a certain set of fans. Um, he's the worst quarterback. We need to get rid of him. I would rather have Josh Rosen. I'm like, that is not where I was going with that. <laughs> no, no, but I do think it is. I mean, you know, looking at the current distribution on the salary cap, they've got 
over 87 million tied up in the offense and 68 mm-hmm. million tied up in the defense. And that is lopsided. And yeah. so you do expect a stronger performance than what we saw out of the Falcons on offense on 100%. Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as you said, plenty of blame to go around. And Matt Ryan oh, yeah. is, is not out of that list in the least. Um, Correct. But I don't think he's trash. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Saints are, but not Matt Ryan. Yep. Um, Saints. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, if they if they keep winning, it's going to be such a long season. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Second to last. We have two more. And. We're going to wrap this one up. Hi, Falcoholic Podcast. Big fan and tragically big fan of the Atlanta Falcons. (laughs) It's Terrence from Eugene, Oregon. And my question slash feedback is, uh, yeah, Sunday was brutal. Uh, That was a disturbing loss. And my, my thoughts are just that maybe... I, I love Matt Ryan. I, I, I'm not delusional about his abilities and his um, – I don't think he's obviously one of the top five quarterbacks, but he's obviously a good quarterback. Um, but I just feel like after watching someone like Jalen Hurts or any of the more mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, um, you know, someone like Matt Ryan, just it just seems like a dated um, just style of quarterbacking. And, I mean – a lot of times these pocket passers seem to really need a lot of weapons around them in order to succeed. I mean, you look at Tom Brady, obviously with uh, the Buccaneers and all their talent. And I mean, it seems like that's what it takes for someone who isn't able to extend plays and, you know, help wide receivers get open and um, with their legs. And I'm just sort of thinking like when we do finally move away from Matt Ryan, which if it keeps going like this, it could be as soon as, uh, you know, next year, I'm just, it seems like we really need to go in that direction as a franchise, you know, with a quarterback who um, can do what Jalen Hurts did us, you know, extend plays. Um, also, maybe that sort of offsets some of the protection problems. Um, you know, your your line doesn't have to be perfect or, I mean, yeah, it just, it just seems like it's a, I'm just watching more and more quarterbacks just become dual threats. And Matt Ryan's obviously not one of those. And as much as I love him, I'm just really feeling and was reminded yesterday that maybe this style of quarterbacking um, just is not really working anymore. And we'll obviously see the rest of the season, but that's just kind of what my thoughts are. All right. Thanks a lot. Go Falcons. What do you yeah, think, Gina? That's, that's a really interesting perspective. Um, and I think that it's one that's worth discussing. And I'm just going to go back to what I just said about the salary cap distribution on this team and just mm-hmm. the disproportionate amount of money that they have invested on the offensive side of the ball, which I think does prop up his hypothesis there um, about, you know, needing to invest in more, you know, skilled, skilled targets, uh, you know, high skill players to, compensate for the fact that Ryan is very much pocket passer. Um, obviously his age doesn't help with that either. I think that he's been pretty fearless about scrambling and we've seen some really yeah. successful scrambles from him. Um, some of them have nearly stopped my heart. <laughs> <but> <laughs> all of them have made me laugh. Thanks to Dave's tweets about them. But um, 
Yeah, and I, I mean, no matter what Matt Ryan is getting toward the end of his career, as far as, you know, looking toward a mobile quarterback in the future, you know, one of my biggest complaints about Mike Smith was that it seemed like he was really dedicated to, you know, archaic ideas about the defense in particular. Yep. And he wasn't willing to change his perspective or evolve that perspective to fit with the contemporary NFL. And so I haven't really thought about that as it pertains to mobile quarterbacks and Matt Ryan. But I think that it's a very interesting perspective and one that probably warrants more thought and discussion, like not right this second, but over time. Uh, I couldn't have said it better. Um, I feel like the discussion around the the new quote unquote era of quarterbacks, there was, you know, back in the early 2000s, this conversation happened when Michael Vick came into the league. Yeah. People are like, hey, the, the quarterback position is being reinvented. Um, you know, look at Michael Vick. You you need to have someone that can, you know, take off on the ground. He acts as an extra weapon, et cetera, et cetera. And I think there are some things in the NFL are cyclical, but mm-hmm. we are seeing a lot of these uh, quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes um, that, you know, is able to stretch the pocket. And I think there's a difference between a running quarterback and an athletic quarterback that can buy time and, but is still a pocket passer. So he, he basically stretches the pocket from a traditional pocket, gets outside of it, and, and has a big enough arm that he can operate you know, 15 yards behind the, the line of scrimmage instead of a five-step five drop. So mm-hmm. I, like you said, I, I think it's a, a very nuanced and very deep conversation. And maybe something we'll address on this podcast uh, in the future, probably after the season is over. Um, Definitely. But uh, I love it. I think it's uh, that is part of the conversation. And for the Falcons to stay relevant as an NFL franchise, it's a question that in the next couple of years, maybe even next year, they're going to have to answer. What does the future of the Falcons look like at quarterback? Is it going to be this quote unquote new prototype of a athletic running quarterback, or is it going to be, you know, something more like a Josh Allen is it going to be something um, more like, you know, what we see with Tom Brady and, and are you going to build from the trenches? Um, to me, these are the conversations that we love having at the Falcoholic and on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have them. Absolutely. All right. Last voicemail, which I'm kind of sad, but uh, we're, we're right at about the hour. So the timing is perfect. Um, and I think this is the perfect one to end on actually. Strong lifetime Falcons fan, born and raised in Atlanta. And a couple of things to touch on really, really quick about this uh, Falcon embarrassing loss today. I'm not ready to blow up everything. Could they have blown up everything? Should they have potentially have done it with our cap space? It makes it really, really hard. So one, I understand that. Two, I don't want to even point the finger at Matt Ryan because yes, did he look a little frazzled at some point in time? Yes, but man, get this man an offensive line. Jalen Mayfield, uh, don't have any comments on him. Looks like a bust. Won't say that he's a bust because at this point it's his first game, but man, did he get baptized. Uh, Kyle Pitts is <laughs> heavily involved a lot, a lot more. Uh, you had Lee and Hurst on the field in options in motion more than Kyle Pitts should have. Didn't even get the many touches as he should. Yeah, I think it cut off on him, but um, okay. he, he quickly hit on several points. and He did. And, I, you know, the one thing, we've already talked about Mayfield a lot. We've already talked about my, Ryan a lot. And I think that the one thing that people have mentioned a few times that we haven't really dug into is 
how Pitts was used. And I do yeah. think that it's extremely fair to have questions about that because yep. I, you know, this kid is supposed to be a unicorn. Um, I should not call grown men kids, but he is about <laughs> the same age as my actual <laughs> children. And so I just want to be clear. Like, I same. don't mean that in a dismissive way. I am just, he is young enough to be my son. So that is the <laughs> way that I mean it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's he's the kind of guy, he's supposed to be spectacular. He's but to be able to make these, you know, contested catches. He's just like a physical, a physically gifted freak of nature. And so, yeah, I think that it's very, very fair to ask why the guy that you decided to spend your fourth, your fourth overall pick on instead of uh, the quarterback of the future is being utilized so little. Yeah, a hundred percent. I was very disappointed not to see Kyle Pitts involved more, especially in the end yeah. zone. Um, and we're, we're seeing some tape from Brian Baldinger, who's asking the exact same question. Where the hell yeah. is Kyle Pitts in the end zone? Uh, so very fair questions. And But the thing I loved is I'm not ready to blow it up. And I think mm-hmm. that is where, honestly – as bad as that game looked and uh, I don't want to take anything away. Like they have a lot of work to do clearly, Yeah. but there's 16 more games and there are a ton of reasons to believe that they can look much better than this. The running game was dramatically better in the first half. Um, yes. Patterson looked like an absolute beast out of the backfield. Um, the defense did get some key for two key fourth down stops. Yes. And uh, so hope springs eternal. And I think, you know, even though we all have frustrations and those voicemails were uh, all sort of like keyed into those frustrations, I like that last one because he says, I'm not ready to blow it up. And I think that's Mm -hmm. probably where we should all land with this as mad as we are at this team for setting us up and letting us down. Um, there is still a lot of football left to play and hopefully they're going to do better from here on out. Yeah, hopefully, because that was just a catastrophe. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> past the point, all I could do was laugh. Like it was yeah. one of the most ridiculous games that I've ever watched in my life. hundred <laughs> percent. And we have the bucks next, which is not necessarily encouraging. <laughs> We may do, we may be doing a, another one of these episodes next week where we can let people vent about it. <laughs> <laughs> we will live vicariously through your angry voicemails on a future alcoholic Tampa Bay Bucks podcast. We um, might change the we might change the name of this podcast series to alcoholic group therapy <laughs> <laughs> because. I think that we all need it. <laughs> we, we should probably charge an hourly rate if this keeps going at this point. Uh, <laughs> all right. On that note, Gina, remind our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on. You can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas, J-E-A-N-N-A Thomas. Um, and you can find me basically just working. Um, I don't have time for anything else. So <laughs> you can find me on this podcast. That's pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I feel that very much. Uh, as for you guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. 
So for the Forever Mad Online, Gina Kelly, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.